Welcome to another Tyrius cast. I'm Steve Leibson, and I'm joined today by our managing partner, Jim McGregor. He's about to leave his home in Arizona and travel to Barcelona for this year's Mobile World Congress, or MWC. Before he leaves, I thought we'd get him to give us a preview. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Steve. Tell me, what themes are you expecting to see at this year's MWC? You know, there's about five or six key themes that we're already kind of seeing gel going into MWC. One of them is the continued rollout of 5G. So we're now approaching 50% or more around the world in terms of mobile networks. And that's going to continue climbing over the next couple of years. Uh, Greater interest in 5G private networks. So I expect to see more around the technology and some of the implementations that are now starting to roll out for industrial applications. Open RAN is definitely a hot topic around MWC, you know, using the open standard networks. Wi-Fi 7, even though it's not really cellular, Wi-Fi 7 is a hot topic because that rolled out last year as one of the key wireless technologies. Chat GPT, and yes, this is actually, you know, an AI technology, but that's a huge, huge impact on the entire industry, and we're seeing more around that. I'm actually attending a few demos just on what other people are doing with Chat GPT beyond just doing the remote digital assistant. I'm actually attending one demonstration I'm looking forward to, and I'm not going to really hype it too much yet because I, I don't quite believe it, but they're actually kind of doing an avatar digital assistant. So you actually get to see an avatar doing the chat GPT. And the other one, and probably the most interesting to me, is non-terrestrial networks, or what most people would think of as satellite communications. We started seeing interest in this last year as Apple and Qualcomm and AT&T, T-Mobile, Starlink, all these companies started announcing solutions where you can actually use a mobile device with some enhancements in terms of the modem and the RF to be able to communicate by satellite. Now, it's really limited today, but the release 17, 3GPP release 17, includes specifications for both narrowband and broadband communications, and release 18, which will be coming in 2024, which is 5G advanced, by the way, will include additional enhancements for satellite communications. So I expect that to also be a key thing, and I already know of a couple announcements that are coming. I can't say what they are yet, but they're coming on that. Well, that leads to the next question. I know you've got a full schedule, so tell me, what companies are you meeting with at MWC? You know, it spans the gamut from the technology companies or the semiconductor companies and IP companies all the way to some of the system companies and OEMs to some of the service providers. So it includes companies like MediaTek, Qualcomm, Arm, NXP, Samsung, TCL, Huawei, Ericsson, you name it. And there's there's even a lot of startups in there, too, that are having some interesting technologies. I'm having trouble even keeping track of my schedule at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. So are you attending any special events at MWC that you want to tell us about? Well, in addition to the conference, and I probably won't spend much time at the conference because I'll be in meetings most of the time, Monday through Wednesday, but there are a couple of events going on simultaneously during it. Qualcomm's holding a series of roundtables. I'm going to attend a couple of those. Huawei is holding a kind of like a mini event series or mini uh, conference throughout the conference. I'm going to try to attend a few of those. 
And there's a conference before the conference. It's actually by MEF. And I'm really not that familiar with them, but it's called Mobile Economic, no, Mobile Ecosystem Forum. And don't know that much about it, but it's on Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to attend that and see what I can grasp. I kind of get the feeling it's about, you know, the industry as a whole and where it's going and everything else. So I'm kind of looking forward to see who attends and, and what information comes out of that. Now, is there anything you are especially interested in seeing at MWC? You've mentioned NTN, the satellite network thing. Is there anything else? I would say NTN is probably the thing I'm most excited about seeing. Chat GPT, just because it's cool no matter how you use it. But NTN, the fact that we're looking at satellite communications, not just with mobile devices, but as a key wireless technology going forward. It's being implemented now because it's in release 17, the 3GPP release 17, which was finalized and frozen last year. So we saw announcements by a lot of the companies I mentioned earlier. And we're going to see announcements by other companies at the show, including not only technology companies announcing new chipsets uh, in support of it on the modem and on the RF front end side, but also in terms of some of the mobile OEMs. I know that there's going to be several OEMs announcing support for satellite communications in their devices. Now, I have to warn you, though, it's still pretty early. So it's one of those things where you can't get too excited about it. Kind of like Apple showed and even Qualcomm showed, you know, you're only going to really use it for SOS messages or basic two-way messages where you have to stand out there and you may have to aim your phone a little bit depending on whose satellite network you're using and where your connectivity is and everything else. So it's still in the early days. It's kind of like, kind of like 2G, which was when we used phones for actually making calls. We didn't use it for the data, but the release 17 spec specified two versions of what we call NTN, non-terrestrial networks. One is for IoT, and that's kind of a narrowband solution. It's The band's only about 200 kilohertz. And then there is the new radio NTN, which is basically the 5G broadband NTN. And that's going to be, I have a band with anywhere from 5 to 20 megahertz. So that's actually going to be able to do what we think of data rates on our cell phone today, being able to do two-way voice calls or upload and download videos and images and stuff like that. Now, the problem is not only do we need new chipsets and new phones for these devices, we also need new satellites. So Starlink started launching its second generation of satellite networks late last year, and we're going to see other satellite providers launching satellites as well over the next couple of years. So you're probably looking at the 2025 timeframe till you actually see this broadband coverage of maybe 2024, broadband coverage for satellite networks. And at that time, we're also going to have release 18. And release 18 has some significant enhancements. That's where we start kind of melding the cellular network and the satellite network together, kind of like what we've done with Wi-Fi and cellular, where we're doing aggregation of frequencies so that you can be using multiple different technologies over multiple channels for the same communication. You just break it up. So, you know, by the end of this decade, we're actually going to see satellite communications. That's just one more of those links in this wireless connectivity that we expect throughout the world. Whether we're in a house, whether we're in our car, whether we're just standing outside, or whether we're, you know, in the middle of the ocean, it's going to become kind of a critical technology. And it's also going to really help us implement an infrastructure, a global infrastructure that's going to be needed for certain industries like transportation, where cellular just can't reach everywhere. 
And it's also going to help us, in my mind, break down the digital divide. So how's that different than Starlink? Starlink is very much the same thing. And matter of fact, Starlink is going to be one of the providers of this. But right now, you really can't use Starlink to a mobile device. You just basically have to use it to one of their dishes, and then you have to convert it through a Wi-Fi router. Matter of fact, I use Starlink. So it's a very effective tool. Matter of fact, I would say satellites already changing the dynamics because Starlink took me from 10 meg downloads on Viasat to 200 meg downloads. And being able to use that link, not just for internet, but also for cellular connectivity, doing cellular over Wi-Fi. So it's important. But right now, that's the extent of it. It has to go through their dish and it has to go through their router to be able to use it. What we're talking about is actually breaking that link and being able to do it directly from any mobile device or any communication system. It can be in a car, it can be in a truck, it can be in a boat, you know, that communicates directly with the satellite. There's also one other key thing. I think it's going to break down the digital divide. And we talk about the digital divide a lot in terms of, you know, who has broadband, who doesn't have broadband. And 5G really isn't addressing that issue because 5G is being rolled out mostly in areas where there's a payback, dense cities and stuff like that. You know, it's going to be a long time before rural areas have 5G or if it's even practical, even with fixed wireless access. If you have a topology that doesn't fit 5G, you have to start thinking outside the box. And we've started doing that where I live. I live in the middle of the mountains. One of my neighbors is using the Starlink download and then basically using... Uh, yagging antennas to hop it to other locations, other neighbors. I'm using mine through Wi-Fi extenders to where I can actually get cellular coverage outside my house. So I think satellite is going to, you know, that satellite communication directly to devices, whether it's a PC, whether it's a phone, whether it's whatever, that's going to help so many more people around the world be able to get access, direct access to broadband internet capability. Now you mentioned 2G and it reminded me of the old Iridium system. And I think that that's also being resuscitated for this new application. You're right. Matter of fact, that's one of the networks being utilized. Qualcomm has partnered with Iridium for their satellite communication or non-terrestrial network solution. Their narrowband, I should say, non-terrestrial solution. So they're actually leveraging the Iridium satellites, which, once again, they're, they're an older technology. It's a proprietary analog technology, as a matter of fact. But... It's very unique in the fact that they have 11 satellite constellations orbiting around the globe polar and polar orbits. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in the middle of the ocean. You can be in the middle of the mountains. You can be anywhere. As long as you can link to one of those satellites, you can still have connectivity. But once again, it's an older technology. It's very limited. You have to have a newer phone that has the latest, not only does it have to have the latest modem from Qualcomm, the Snapdragon processor and modem combination, but you also have to have a few additional RF components to be able to support this. But we are seeing handsets come out, or we will see handsets come out shortly that do support that capability. But you're still, like I said, you may be kind of standing up and kind of aiming it one direction and the other direction, and you know maybe even standing on one foot to make sure you got connectivity. Well, you had to do that with the original Iridium system, too. Exactly. Those cell phones had these giant antennas that folded up, made it look like a stovepipe. And then you glowed for three days after you used it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what would surprise you if you saw it at MWC this year? First off, if anybody can do a demo of 
a kind of a broadband connection over satellite, that would surprise me. That would amaze me. I think also seeing ChatGPT get out of just or be doing more than just that digital assistant, that's going to surprise me because I the, the potential is there. I just don't know of anybody that's got it yet. Other than that, I don't know. There's always something that does surprise me. I just don't know what it's going to be. Well, when you get back, we'll ask you what was was there that you found surprising. Well, in a lot of these conferences, I look forward to kind of the pre-conference conferences from PepCon and Showstoppers, similar to CES. They hold these kind of mini trade shows just for press and analysts where it's, you know, sometimes you'll have major OEMs like HP and Dell and sometimes, but most of it's usually these startup companies and they just have a small booth so they can't take up the whole trade show floor like an Ericsson or Huawei does at MWC. But they usually, that's usually where you find the startups with very unique technology and I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's where we get to make a lot of our new contacts. So that's why we analysts really look forward to those kind of events. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's switch to a more personal note. I know you bought tickets to see the Sagrada Familia. That's Gaudi's masterpiece cathedral that's been under construction for 140 years now. So what drew you to Sagrada Familia this time? Pure amazement, I have to tell you. I've been going to Mobile World Congress and to Barcelona for over a decade, and I'd never been able to get tickets to go in it because I keep forgetting to buy them till the last minute, and you can't do that. I took my family last year, and we actually went in. And just the architecture that went into that, it's so unique compared to any other cathedral or basilica. It is just a, and it really is a phenomenal experience. You know, the way he used recycled glass for the stained glass windows. It kind of creates a rainbow effect through there. It is is just a phenomenal thing to see. And I really don't think you could see it all in one visit. So I'm looking forward to going back. And quite honestly, I have about six hours to kill before I can actually check into my <laughs> my hotel. <laughs> so I figure it's going to be cold and rainy in Barcelona. I might as well do something I enjoy indoors. Well, you, you picked the gem and Gaddy's uh, necklace of beautiful structures that are built around Barcelona. So I think you'll really love it. I have been there and and it is stunning. All right, so let's finish up on another personal note. I think you're planning on visiting your favorite bar on Los Ramblas, which is the great pedestrian walkway. What's the name of that bar and why is that bar your favorite? Actually, I have two bars that are my favorite right there. One is actually on the circle, Placa de Catalunya, and it is the Hard Rock Cafe. You're like, well, why the Hard Rock Cafe? Well, here's a little secret for our listeners. There's two bars of the Hard Rock Cafe. There's the one upstairs that gets crowded, noisy, and annoying and everything else. There's actually one downstairs, too, that you have to know about, have to know how to get in. And if you know how to get in, it's usually very quiet, peaceful, and they still have a lot of the cool stuff on the wall, like from Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. Um, that's one of them. The other one, for the life of me, I don't remember the name of it. It's a little Irish pub halfway down between the circle and the beach on the right-hand side that is an Irish pub. And the reason I like going there is because unless there is a football game, if there's a football game, don't even go into a bar in Barcelona. But if there's not a football game, nobody goes down there because nobody knows about it. So it's kind of like my hideaway to get away from all the crowds, all the people. And I got to be honest with you, when you go to Mobile World Congress as somebody, as a member of the tech community, you don't even feel like you're leaving the country. 
I see people I know in the airport, see people I know on the trains, on the street. I mean, literally, I feel like I'm in America. But that's the one place I can go to escape where pretty much nobody else goes. And I can just enjoy a quiet drink after a just hellish day and just kind of sit back and relax. And just to be fair to our American listeners, when you say football game, you mean soccer. Yes. I have to put it in perspective of the country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to a wrap of another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. If you would like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Steve at TyriusResearch.com. That's me. Jim at TyriusResearch.com. That's Jim, our managing director. Kevin at TyriusResearch.com. That's Kevin Crewell. Or Francis at TyriusResearch.com. That's Francis Sedeco. Tyrius Research is spelled T-I-R-I-A-S research.com. You can keep up with us through our Tyrius casts on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Our articles appear online at Forbes.com, EE Times, EE Journal, ECT News, and Microelectronics in Taiwan. Our research and newsletters are posted on TyriusResearch.com. You can see them through on Twitter and LinkedIn at Tyrius Research or at Steve Liebson, at Crewell for Kevin Crewell, at F. Sedeco for Francis Sedeco, and at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T for Jim McGregor, who apparently didn't want to use his name. Yeah, I didn't. And if you want to know more, especially about any of these topics, especially NTN, we have a series of articles being published throughout this the next couple of weeks on Forbes.com. So please check out those articles. And the fastest way to get to our little section of Forbes.com is to go to TyriusResearch.com and click on the Forbes logo. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Music.